80s fact, 90s fact, a knocks on the moon I podcast. Tamers is what? It's into the 2000s. It's not in the 90s. Listen, 90s, 80s, 2000s, it's all the same. Like, you listen to one of those, like, pop stations, 80s, 90s, and now. Exactly. It all just streams together. What is a millennial? Like, we're just, that whole thing. If you're a millennial, it counts. Like, sure, I can reference New Kids on the Block. Did I ever actually listen to New Kids on the Block when they were airing? Never. Not once. I didn't know they were a thing until I was 25. That's an exaggeration, have, of course. We didn't have my aunt as an aunt because she is obsessed with New Kids on the Block still. I mean, my, my sisters are. When they were doing their comeback tour, that was a big deal. It's like, can we go see New Kids on the Block? And I was like, who gives a fuck? They did that one Oreo song. Mm-hmm. Which is not, that's the Weird Al version. But <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, the right stuff? Yes, I do understand. Arguably, my touchstone to New Kids on the Block isn't even New Kids on the Block. It's Marky Mark. Like, it's not I mean, even Donnie, it's Marky Mark, because, like, Mark Wahlberg is the thing that's such a known quantity, and Marky Mark and the Funky Munch is where I go to, and then it's like, oh, yeah, and Donnie did some shit. Like, no one cares. Like, unless you're watching Blue Bloods, or really marathoning Saw 2, no one gives a fuck about Donnie Wahlberg. I mean, so, did I tell you about my ferns in my house? No. What <laughs> What does this have to do with Donnie Wahlberg? I was on a roll, Okay. So I have two ferns in my house, and they sit, you know, you've seen them, between two ferns. Um, <laughs> okay. But anyway, I have named them after the two oldest uh, Wahlberg brothers. <laughs> the two that are on the Wahlbergers show? Uh, well, Arnold and... Um, yeah, the other two. The ones that weren't in New Kids on well, the Block or Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. I'm sorry, not Arnold. Arthur. And Arthur, Jim, whatever. Because there's nine of them. <laughs> there's nine of There's nine Wahlbergs? Yeah, I'm pretty sure there's nine Wahlberg brothers. That that does not make any sense. Okay, hold on. Before we get too far into this, uh, log out of the call and back in real quick because you're dropping out sometimes. Okay. And this is the moment in the podcast where I talk major shit about Chelsea and just drop the the, the huge scoop, maybe a last name reveal, just dox her, really, seriously, um, until she comes back online. Hello. There are nine Wahlbergers. <laughs> I love how you come back. You're like nine Wahlbergers <laughs> confirmed. So Arthur and Jim are the oldest. So my two friends are named Arthur and Jim. And I told Kyle I have to have seven more so I can have all of the Wahlberg brothers. That's that's. I would say that's too many ferns, but and like I don't love the look of ferns, but they grow so well in low light, and I have no windows in my apartment that I like. Yes. I love ferns now because they're the only things I can keep alive. So these two are Boston ferns, and so that's obviously. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. I said. <laughs> Or I could name them, you know, Ben and Matt, but... So they opened uh, Wahlburgers in Detroit, and, like, I, so I finally had it. I was like, this is fine. Like, this, it's it, like, fine. it's it's not a Whataburger. Like, honestly, it tastes kind of like uh, Culver's. Like, if I had to compare it to a burger, but it, it was little, not... It tastes a little less greasy than Culver's, I would say. That's fair. No, no, okay, I agree with you there. It's a little bit more consistent. Honestly, it was a little bit more chain-like. And that's why I yeah, went to Culver's rather than, I don't know, like some, like, like a diner burger, right? I mean, yeah, it was fine. It was way more passable. It was like the whole thing with, like, I didn't go, but some of my buddies went to Mom's Spaghetti. And they're like, it was okay. Oh, yeah. Like, they were surprised that it was okay. Like, it didn't blow them away by any means, but they were like, it was cool. Like, Eminem was there. That was neat. Like, <laughs> the dish of spaghetti is just a, it's a no for me anymore. <laughs> I, like, that spaghetti noodles, I think, are some of the worst noodles. I agree so you with can... you there. I don't, I, I make spaghetti once every, like, four months. 
if I have I to. I mean, you can make some kind of, like, pasta with, like, a red sauce and, like, meat, but just not spaghetti because it's not good. I just got to zhuzh it up. Like, I was poor for so long, and I, like, went to, like, the poor food. And I, I'm still kind of poor. Like, I talk, like, oh, you know, me and, I, like, I'm, I'm sitting on, I'm doing the Scrooge McDuck through all my gold coins uh, in my one-bedroom <laughs> one apartment. <laughs> <laughs> like no but I, I like i got i've had it for so long like spaghetti was the go-to like any house you went to where we grew up it was like oh we're having people over we're making spaghetti then because it was the yeah, only thing we could cook for more than three people so like i'm so like i'm over it a little bit so many noodles and then they always have like garlic toast with it which i like bread right but it's just so dry it's it, just so dry it's, it's too many carbs for me like i'm already so fat i already sit on my butt like 90 percent of the time i'm either writing or i'm doing a podcast or then playing video games is like my free time. Even when I play with my kids, like we'll t play tag for a little while. And I'm like winded. I don't need more carbs. I don't need carbs on top of carbs. Yeah, it's just it's just like there's so many better. Like do a penne, do like a bake. <laughs> you know, put some cheese in there. Like just make it better. And then you, you go to Spaghetti's fat ass cousin, and you get like oh fettuccine Alfredo. We did some shrimp in there. Ugh. Yeah, I mean. Put some broccoli in there, though. You know, I mean, I know, for sure. Broccoli. Like, it's going to taste great. It's going to taste great. It's going to have a lot of shit in it. But at the end of the day, it's like, this is all coming out in one block, okay? This is not going to be good for your system. No, just, like, two sticks of butter and some, <laughs> and some heavy cream if you're American. <laughs> Why not both? Por que no los dos? Anyways, yeah. you're not here for spaghetti talk. You're not here. Well, you might be here for the Wahlberg talk. What spaghetti you're really talk? here for is for right in the fields the only podcast that hits you right in that extra spot in your stomach that's like haha you're old now you remember things from when you were little and it's not the same so you try to look back at that lens and go what if so you watch digimon from fox kids like you were a kid in the 90s and you're like i remember being a child i remember when my knees worked properly and that's what this show is we're just here to remind you that you're old but you were once young and uh, i am your faithful <laughs> what did you say that it's a show about Terry's knees. <laughs> my knees are rough. Okay, can you tell that I'm projecting? Uh, <laughs> my name is Terry Smith. With me, as always, is Chelsea. And today, we're going to get into it with Digimon Season 3, Tamers. Ta -da! Arguably, the best. Arguably the best season. <laughs> um, I, I like it a lot. I, best season critically probably like if i had to break it down story-wise character-wise and, and like moments like i think so the only reason okay. why it would rank lower than me is purely nostalgia i have such a nostalgia yeah. for the first and second season of digimon because i was younger it was like my, my it, honestly it was my gateway to anime that i love i was there for dragon ball z i was there for a lot of things but when i think anime and like my first touchstones it's digimon all the way I agree. I think that, like, looking back on it, I probably like re-watching re Tamers better than the rest of them. But, yeah, the, the first and second seasons are still number one in my, number one in my heart. <laughs> Whenever somebody says that, I just think of Falco from The Replacements. Well, of course. That's what I'm channeling. Oh, it's so perfect. I, I reference Keanu Reeves in The Replacements at least once a week. No one ever knows what I'm talking about. I'm convinced that no one saw that movie but me and you. <laughs> Listen, it'll be on because Thanksgiving's coming. It'll be I know they always play for Thanksgiving, and I don't know why. Is it because football? Like Spike will have the James Bond marathon. Like it's just <laughs> is as is tradition. Like Fourth of July, you get Forrest Gump. Thanksgiving, you get the replacements and James Bond. I'm not a big NFL guy. Like if I watch football, it's NCAA. But I still watch the Lions every year. <laughs> 
why just watch them lose that's why it's <laughs> a good yeah. michigan talk for you here detroit lions they lose end of story uh, I'm, I'm not even a fan i was never a fan i'm not even a big fan of football let alone nfl i just it's like a tradition you know yeah you just watch them lose you watch them lose that's thanksgiving okay um <laughs> and i explained to my my cousins and whatnot even though i don't talk to any of them anymore i'll just call my mom and tell her like why christopher columbus sucks and why the pilgrims that's not exactly how it happened and why thanksgiving is a terrible holiday and my mom just cries because it's the one time she gets to see her kids <laughs> well maybe you know maybe that's just crying for you though her other kids yeah <laughs> Six to one, half a dozen to another. Like, uh, but Digimon Actually, season three. Really want to see? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. She wants to see the grandkids, and I got the best ones. Okay. That's fair. So, Digimon season three for me is always a mixed bag because as a kid, I didn't like it that much because it changed everything up. It was different. It was its first. It's the uh, first one to be in its own universe, like not tied to other stuff. There's connections and there's some multiverse. It introduces the idea of the multiverse, really. Um, yeah. But in Digimon, it's kind of meta. In Digimon Season Three Tamers, the show exists, the card game exists, the video games exist. So that's already weird. It works in such a way as an adult when I rewatch it. It's so fun. When I showed my wife that, she's like, this is good. Like, I, I fell in love with Digimon, she says, partly from watching it with me and partly from watching it with you. But Digimon Season 3, she was like, this is just good. This is good anime. This is good television show. Yes. And that's where it stands up as an adult for me. But as a kid, I didn't appreciate almost any of it. I was like, who the fuck is Takato? He's not this brave kid. He gets goggles later on. It's not a continuation. I wanted to see the next season of Digimon where's davis where's ty where the fuck is kari the voice of kari is the teacher in this show and she's yeah, the narrator yeah. like what is this there's only three of them where's the whole team and then as an adult you look at it you're like oh cool they're starting fresh it's kind of meta it's referencing everything it's subverting tropes like they pared down the group so they could give the digimon more of a personality it's genius really but as a kid i'm like fuck this <laughs> but change the theme song why would you change the theme song the theme song slapped I mean, yeah, I, I feel similarly. I think that when I watched it, though, for me, I didn't expect it to be the same, and I don't know why. It, it because you were a smarter me. kid than me, and you paid attention to <laughs> a lot of, like, the like the marketing for it probably coming out. Because they marketed it pretty well. You knew what it was going to be. I saw it, too. I just hoped that I was wrong. Oh, very good. Oh, I thought I was waiting, though, throughout the whole thing for more of, like, a sort of an explanation like when they go in in season three to the digital world i was like maybe this is where there will be like a connection between the other kids right like um season you know like this is where the like the like the multiverse sort of concept is concrete this the same digital world was in the in the kind it kind of is right you just kind of find out that in digimon season three it's afterwards right like that digital world is just like crumbling kind of thing right well and then they do did you watch fusion yeah i've watched fusion yeah i've seen the the big connection there yeah, the big connection where it's, you know, that's basically what it is. But, so, I mean, justified somewhat, I guess. So, I like that they, I honestly, I like that they were trying to do a multiverse way before Marvel was. Um, <laughs> I mean, not I, way before Marvel, period. MCU, yes. No, okay, that's what I, that's what I meant, is before the Marvel films. <laughs> what most people 
who I guess maybe not most people listening to this, but most people who are just casual watchers. But here's the thing about casual watchers, and I'll drop one of my first facts for Fox Kids around the time, is they weren't first. Spider-Man and the other 90s cartoons were doing it beforehand, and they were doing it in a much more difficult way. So uh, let's let's do some little Fox history for, for the kids at home who are really nerdy about TV channels, which is no one but me. Um, the Fox Kids version of Digimon, the dub as we'll call it, uh, it was done in Japan, it was on a network, it was all normal. When they brought it over here, it was Saban Entertainment. They had so much success with, you know, converting Super Sentai to Power Rangers. They're like, let's do that for this new show, Digimon. Because Digimon originally was not going to be this huge anime property. It originally was just to sell the video game that was finally coming out. So they had the Bandai toys, and they had the Tamagotchi-like, but you could fight with the little things. They're like, we're going to do a video game, let's promote the video game and the card game, Okay. And they're like, let's do an anime. That's a really good way. That's how we promote a lot of other things. Let's do a cartoon. It'll be like maybe 10 episodes. Originally it was two. Let's expand it to 10 to really get the marketing out. It did so well that it like usurped the whole idea of toys. They're like, this is what we're focusing on. So Saban was like, hey, we'll help you out. Let's get that over here to America. We'll do the dub ourselves, which they were not prepared to do originally. They'd only done a little bit of dubbing. They knew the general idea of how to do it, but they hadn't really done it on their own before. So they brought in a lot of really good talent that was willing to work a little bit cheaper. It was kind of new, trying to make names for themselves, which now they've all blown up since then. Um, But they're like, hey, let's do it this way. Uh, So it was kind of a big, giant experiment. But anyways, back to the, the 90s MCU stuff. So the Marvel shows were connecting different channels of shows. So Iron Man was on a different network. Fox Kids did have X-Men, but that was it. That was the only connection. They had X-Men and they had Spider-Man. There was also the Hulk TV show and the Fantastic Four TV show and Silver Surfer. Those all shared one universe. They were the 90s kids animated TV shows of the the Spider-Man like variety, of the Marvel variety. But they all shared one universe and they all crossed over. But they were all from different networks, so they had to be kind of covert about it. Whereas in with, with so, you know Digimon, it was like it was the same network. But there's there's your little uh, Fox dump. Does so I guess while we're continuing on this aside, does that mean that the new X Men nineteen ninety seven or X ninety eight or whatever that Disney just about releasing that it's going to be a continuation of that? Yeah, that it's going to continue on where that left off. Which if you don't know, if you didn't watch the X Men series in the nineties, what the fuck were you doing? It's fucking awesome. But it's right after they did the Four Horsemen of Apocalypse. They did the the X Men Apocalypse uh, universe kind of thing. They get back from that. That's kind of where the series ends. So they're going to pick up right where it left off. Okay. That's why they're calling it new episodes of rather than new series announced. Like no, no, no. We're just continuing. Which is really cool when you think about the other implications, which is the 90s series of Spider-Man kind of just kind of got cut off at the legs at the end of its second season. And then they put a new Spider-Man show on there, so it could potentially continue lines there. Blade was introduced in that universe, Um, like the cool version of Blade that we all think about. That's kind of where it got its new popularity. It was in the comics first, but seeing some more of that. There's some really cool implications, not just if you're a fan of the X-Men, but continuing that 90s verse because it did the MCU before the MCU. Are you trying to discredit Wesley Snipes' Blade? That's all. No, 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 no. He, no, like definitely, but like people forget that that version of Blade was in comics first. Like a lot of people do these really cool critiques because Blade was a character in the '70s and it wasn't a very good character. Hit like Blade had his whole renaissance a little bit in the late '80s and early '90s, and a lot of that was his first appearance in Spider-Man. Like kids our age saw Blade for the first time, not in Wesley Snipes, but on that cartoon first. 
No, that's fair. That's fair. I just wanted to make sure. I just wanted to shout out Wesley Snipes. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, my wife has never seen those movies, and she was talking about it the other day, and she was like, what is Blade, and who is Wesley Snipes? And, like, I almost chat on the floor. <laughs> I was like, how do you not know either one? <laughs> Uh, yeah, they're not mutually inclusive. Like, she could have known who Wesley Snipes was. That was my point. I'm like, sure, okay, Blade, maybe not. They're some of the best, like, Marvel movies before Marvel movies were a thing. And they're just badass vampire movies. So, okay, but, okay, you've never seen Blade. Maybe you don't know that much about Guillermo del Toro. That's fine. You don't know who the fuck Wesley Snipes is? <laughs> like, how is that possible? <laughs> like, this doesn't make any oh. sense to me. Like, like, what the fuck, man? Uh, what they cast as the new blade? Uh, Mahershala Ali. Oh, that'll be so good. Oh, it's so, I'm so pumped for it. I don't want to spoil anything about Eternals, but there's some connections there that they did in the movie, and I was like, oh my god, I'm so hyped for everything coming in the MCU because you got you got Blade, you got the Black Knight with uh, Dane Whitman, which is uh, uh, Kit Harrington's new character. Um, there, there's so many things that like '90s Terry is freaking out about. The only way that they could blow it all out of the water, which no one would be excited but me, is if they introduced Ben Riley, the clone of Spider-Man in the MCU. I would shed a brick. Like, like I would not be able to handle it. If you don't know, my son is named after one of the clones of Spider-Man, Ben Riley. So, like, it would be amazing for me. What's up? Oh, sorry, you cut out for just a second. But Where I did I cut off at? Did you hear my rant about Ben Riley? Yeah, I did. And okay. Then was, like, for a second, so <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. I just need you to sit with it for a moment. Yeah, okay. No, I understand. I <laughs> it marinated. I, I know how passionate you are about the clone of Spider-Man. I hadn't bought a number one in person in close to like five years. Like I, I stopped buying, I stopped going to the comic book shop every Wednesday for a little while there. Um, partly because of the pandemic, partly because I had kids and it just wasn't feasible to spend that much money on comics. But when they brought back Benjamin Riley with his own solo series, I was there day one. Are you the only one in line? Of course. No one gave a fuck. <laughs> How many copies did you buy? I got three. <laughs> no, no variant covers. Didn't have any variant covers for it at my uh, at my comic book shop, which was sad, but that's okay. I'm looking at my signed Dan Slot run uh, for Superior Spider-Man, and I'm like, I wonder if I can get if I can get some more signatures. And I'm like, no, no, it's not important at the moment. We're talking about Digimon. Yeah, true. Okay, back on track. Back on track. So let's give a little bit of oversight for what Digimon Season 3 was. We kept talking about why it's different in its own universe. What is the pitch for Digimon Season 3, Chelsea? Um, So essentially they're in the real world, like you said, subverting like the expectations where basically the show, the game, all the card game, they're all like canonically there. Right. So it's supposed to almost take place in like our question mark world. You right. Know, like you, the viewer, watching. And... Uh, so they're so we focus on Takato. He's he's you know the goggle kid as as per tradition, and he and his friends play Digimon all the like all the time you know. And he creates his own Digimon Geomon, which was I thought super cool to see that like create your own sort of concept. Um, and then his fake quote unquote Digivice that he plays with turns into a real Digivice, and then Geomon comes to life and he raises him. And then he runs into two other tamers, you know, that's the name tamers, um, who already have had their Digimon. Um, one who got it from playing a game. And then I don't remember how Rika gets Renamon. Yes. 
Oh, she wins the championship, doesn't she? And yes. She, because she's like the the Digimon. She's um, like the top Digimon yeah. card player. Yeah. Right. And so they call her the Digimon stuff. Queen, which is. It was so on point for twenty years in the future. Like at the time, like that wasn't a thing. No one gave a fuck about stuff like that. But now, when you look at streaming culture and like if you yeah. go to like a fighting game tournament, how everyone's got their nicknames and stuff, like, that's a thing that would happen now. Yes, I agree. It's it was um, so ahead of its time. So Renamon seeks her out because she wants to be strong, you know, wants to be with the strongest partner kind of thing. And then uh, escapades ensue after that. We meet a host of, like, side characters that end up becoming main characters as the seasons progress, which I thought was another really good touch rather than just... I mean, like you said, like, we focus on the three so we can get more stories with the Digimon, right? But I, I liked the fact that, like, Kazu and Kenta and Jerry all come in as tamers as the season progresses, as they, like, are around it more, as they're sort of, like helping but not really knowing what they're helping with kind of thing i love it so much it allowed for so much character growth of not just the main characters but these side characters that become main characters it was such a comic book thing or manga like like growing up reading that stuff it was so cool especially going back as an adult having like touched so much other literature i mentioned that the the three characters so that the other three main characters could be their digimon instead of you know six protagonists and six digimon and everyone feels really thin that was such a good idea but the slowly converting these backup stories of like kazu and kenta and then meeting their digimon and jerry and Ipmon, slowly bringing them into the forefront was such a cool comic book idea at the time we get these backup stories and then they slowly come to the forefront i i wasn't prepared for how ahead of its time it was like like that's partly it's ahead of its time but as a kid i was like i don't give a fuck about kazu and kenta and as an adult i'm like they're my favorite characters this is so cool (laughs) it's so neat what they're doing um i also really enjoyed sort of like a throwback when they make uh henry's sister Susie. right which Susie had the worst voice ever but no yeah she's so the voice is so annoying i'm so sorry but is the best Digimon ever, Lotmon, who was a Deva, basically. Like you get Kokomon in there into into Lotmon, or well, Lotmon into Coco. They skip over Kokomon, but as a fan of the movie and Henry and the the duel yep. between Terriermon yep. and Lotmon, I'm like, this is so fucking cool and such a cool yeah. callback here. And plus, making Terriermon one of the mains also so neat because he was the best standout decision. of the movie. Yes, the best decision though. He's yes. So cute. And it, it just all was so cool. And not to mention, like, what they did with Kazu and Kenta, with Jerry, with Impmon, and, and his tamers. I, I loved that they made them all poignant. Like, it wasn't just, oh, these side characters are now getting backstory. Their backstories were some of the best stories in the entire show. Um, exactly. And the way that they come about them and the way that the main characters interact with the backstories. Yes. Makes it just, like... Kazuma had to have to grow up, right, and become braver and become less self-centered in order to be, like, ready to be tamers. And you watch the progression before they're, like, gifted their own. And that's the, the cool thing, too, is, like, the gifted, it might be one way to say it, like, they get the chance is more more apt, right. I think, because the Digimon have to choose to be your partner in this series. It's not just right. destiny, which I really appreciated, like, number one for the consent allegory, but also with the idea of, like, no, no, no this is a partnership. Right, which had always been highlighted by the first two. Yeah, they were like friends. You could see like their their right. synergy is what made them digivolve, right? But in this, like, they took it a step further. 
Right, which is clearly, I mean, very different than the Pokemon universe where you just capture, you know. <laughs> you, you, you mean the dogfighting universe? Yeah, it's a little bit different. I just can't help but shit on it because I think that it is so wrong. <laughs> so my wife <laughs> yesterday, she came to the realization she's, she's, she was playing Animal Crossing and so she were talking, we were talking about like Nintendo stuff and she was talking about maybe playing Pokemon Sword, which I had like already loaded up on the Switch. And she goes, she just looks at me and she goes, do they eat Pokemon? <laughs> I'm like, I had to bring her up. I'm like, oh, dude, like, if you think that is, like, the worst thing, like, you have not played enough Pokemon. And I start going down the trap of, like, listen, Pokemon's actually a really fucked up universe. And I start talking about all the Pokemon that used to be, like, dead kids. And she's like, what the fuck is Pokemon? I mean, listen, I still have watched, have played, probably will still continue to watch and play, but just know that it's less superior and that they're, it's very problematic. For sure. For, in, honestly, there's problematic parts of Digimon, too. But it's... Oh, just Pokemon is always like it's the kids' property, right? And you look at it like, yeah, what's real fucked up? <laughs> like, right. but if you, just you think about it for a second, like, it's hard to look at any not just anime property, but any kids' property at all through a logical lens. Like, if you look at it through like not just an adult lens, just logic. If you look at almost any fictional property through that, like even if you take an adult property, look at like look at Star Wars. I guess Star Wars is arguably a kids' property, but you look at any fictional universe. If you don't break it down to its uh, like logistical backbone, it's fine, right? It's fun. If you break down the logic uh, or the logistics of any fictional universe, like how does this become that? Just you can find holes everywhere. You look at Game of Thrones. You're like, okay, George R. R. I know it's really cool to say this has been happening for ten thousand years, but can I show you what we've done in two thousand years? Like right. ten thousand years. <laughs> yeah. Like they should have elevators, bud. Okay. At least, at the very least, they deserve some elevators. They, they deserve some elevators. Let's talk about like germ theory. Okay, like. <laughs> I sure like there's a part of like if there if fantasy is involved, if there's magic time would progress in a different way because people would focus on magic however you said they lost magic a while ago so like no, let's build some unless escalators because, bud unless it's because of the rampant like i almost want to say culling by targaryen like by the dragons and by other like maybe there's just not enough people 100 100 there's, there's like, lots of things like that you have to start like you have to start doing that and it has to be put that way it's partly why, like, I don't like the phrase when people are like, oh, God, just turn off my brain and enjoy it. That is partly what you need to do. There has to be a suspension of disbelief for any fictional universe, including Digimon as a kid. I was like, that doesn't make any sense. If they got the card game, then they should be playing the the the, the Digimon PlayStation 1 game. None of these kids should be running around in the street. But... <laughs> 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 but like you have to do the suspension of disbelief for any fictional property to fully work even if it's just a small leap right like even if it's just a throwaway line like you said like okay maybe the targaryens killed off all these people so things don't progress as well you have to do that a little bit for any fictional property because if you break down the logistics for it all the way none of it works we should just be in reality <laughs> no i agree i mean Yes, I, I 100% agree. Like, that's what, like, people talk about, like, we're in the worst timeline? No, we're in the most boring timeline. That's the thing. Because yeah, right we now, are, right we now. are in reality. Like, even the reality is fucking fascinating. Like, the War of Roses is arguably more interesting than the Targaryen stuff. But there's dragons there, right? We don't have yeah. dragons here, unless you actually look at why the T-Rexes have little arms, and then you go, oh, it's because they had wings. But that's neither here nor there. 
Listen, when you look at, did you see the the thing that went viral on Twitter about the skeleton of a beaver? What would we think it looked like? <laughs> exactly. That's like, I did totally <laughs> see that. And like, that's part of it. It's like, no, no, no. Like, you, you're just bad at putting together Legos is what's happening. The fucking I mean, old Indiana Jones people. Yeah, but in their defense and in our defense still currently, like, what else are you going to do? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> we're not around. We don't have pictures. We don't have, like, even detailed eye You just, eye you, you reassess after after over no. 100 years. You go, let's rebuild I this agree. and see if we can figure it out a little bit better, not just take the word of it. I agree. But I just mean, like, the people who started it, right? Like, they were just <laughs> doing the best that they could. The people now, like, should be reevaluating it, but it's so hard because it's, let me get on the soapbox because old white men are just like, oh, we can't be wrong. We can't be wrong. It teaches us wrong. fact. You can add to it. You cannot change it. People are wrong all the time. Like, we're all fucking wrong. Jesus Christ. Anyways, Digimon, the true dinosaurs. Um, yeah, digital monsters. Something. Digital monsters. Exactly. You know, it's funny. It started as dinosaurs. When they looked at the Tamagotchi, they're like, what can we tell this creature? With? If we want to make them fight, they got to be a little bit more different tamagotchis were mostly blobs right they were different shapes of blobs but yes. they're like we need to be able to show it what is cool automatically if you look at it and it's still pixelated art they went to dinosaurs and they mm -hmm. weren't wrong good um, choice yeah exactly. That's great choice like, like when you look at the iconography especially of season three again i keep talking about like how so retroactively looking back i'm like how did i not think this was the coolest thing ever look at that blue card you look at that like the iconography of like the pixel arted version of agumon on the back that's still the coolest right. fucking thing I think I really enjoyed, now that you brought in the cards, I really enjoyed that the Tamers felt like they had more to contribute also. Like 100%. They were more involved with a lot with some of the decision making, like with the cards and that kind of thing. Um, and that it did depend somewhat, I mean, on a skill or at least on some sort of involvement from them for their Digimon to succeed until they just start, you know, as they get more powerful, it becomes less necessary. Yeah, they just forget about the cards that. about halfway through that series, which is, which is okay. The problem is it was the coolest part of it for kids and they kind of take that away halfway through to where like when I was watching it with like rewatching it with my children, they thought it was really neat until they stopped using the cards. They're like, well, what are right. they doing? I'm like, you're right. They're just kind of standing there now. Now we're just back to season one and season two. Which right. I mean, like, I said, there's not, like, like, that's fine. But I thought that the cards really was like an innovative way for them, for them to feel more like. I get that they're partners and they're taking their energy and whatever, but for them to feel more like partners. There was there was definitely agency and there was involvement with the kids where like you right. mentioned, it it helped to show that their knowledge of the video game and of the card game contributed to them being tamers. Cause uh originally like like you had like izzy in the first two seasons they're like izzy knows digimon because he does the research and he keeps track of them so we can toss out a factoid it didn't help the digimon usually told him the factoid to like to put it in his little wikipedia page so it really didn't right. contribute anything to the fights or anything like that whereas when you get the cards like their knowledge of hey if the, if gilmon could fly right now he could fight this digimon better because they can't fly so like like their strategic knowledge really contributed to it and it helped show the growth of the characters in a strategic stance like in battling they're both growing the digimon can digivolve so they're stronger but the tamers now know more about battling i really like that idea behind it and of course it gave them something to do and the animation looked cool it did show it's uh it's like kids animation budget more than anything because it showed more than two transformation sequences per episode so yeah. we talk about the henshin experience for any anime even when we talk about some of the live action stuff with power rangers the henshin thing was there in every episode partly because it looked cool and kids liked it it was also to fill runtime 
right? It was already it was already edited. It was already it was ready to go. It's something you it was canned. You already had three minutes worth of footage for every episode. You only had to fill seventeen minutes rather than twenty. So when you show like, what'd you say? I said especially for animation where it's so painstaking to do, so expensive. Yeah, right. It makes sense. Yes. So like, so you fill in those with all the transformation sequences of all the separate Digimon. Okay, so that's already one thing. But then you show the animation of them swiping the card now. That's also canned. Like, okay, now we have almost 10 minutes worth of canned footage. Exactly. <laughs> like, oh my god, I rewatched it. And I'm like, okay, I get it. They swiped the card. Jesus. Like, go. It's still really cool looking. But when you see it for the 10th time in one episode, like when everyone's swiping a card, I'm like, oh my god. Yeah, at that point, you're just like, okay, just like pause. You go get a snack. You, know <laughs> you go get a snack, you come back, you continue. But the, I think that was really cool. Like, again, it's partly why as a kid, I think I didn't like it as much as there was a lot of big ideas in this series. So you, if I can get past the meta part for a moment, because um, I've already mentioned it like 10 times, you watch just the new stuff they introduce. So Digivolving is not a main part of the series for almost the entire first arc. So, like, for the first, like, three or four episodes, no one's Digivolving. So, that's already kind of difficult. You had some, like, the Digimon, they fight Digivolving, but, like, it's not as interesting as the partners. So, that's already kind of a hurdle for me because Greymon Digivolves in the first episode of Digimon. So, I'm already, yeah, so I'm already, like, having, like, trouble connecting with it. And then they introduce the cards, which are neat, and it's a cool gimmick for me to look at. But also, I'm like, okay, I'm trying to understand how do the cards work? Why not just use the same card over and over again? Do the cards disappear because they never use the same one twice? Uh, what are the logistics of it? Partly because I was a weird fucking kid, but also I just wanted to understand so I could be as invested. So there was already too many ideas happening involved. They had the secret agency in Digimon busting through, but they already knew about it. So that was hard. And then there was all the actual emotional elements of it too, before they even got into some of the characters knew the characters that created Digimon. And there was heady ideas of, like, okay, so now you have the D-Reaper and the digital fairies that weren't Digimon, and the D-Arc was called the Arc because it could ferry people between the digital world. I was so lost as a kid. It was just too many things for my little dumb brain. And they say that it's, you know, like, obviously that the third season is so good because it's more realistic, like, and that it's, it's quote-unquote, not a game anymore. Right. You know? it's it's That was the marketing, right? Right. Well, and that's part of, like, what they say to Rika when, when... Henry is like really concerned about Terrier Mon and he doesn't want him to digivolve and she's like just trying to trying to trying to get to get Renamon to digivolve and he's like listen they're not like they're not like toys this you isn't know, a Tamagotchi okay like right it's you're not just continuing to play like in a card game that you've been playing in like this is like real stakes and uh, when I was doing some research for the episode today I found out that a lot of the like darker and more realistic like the trauma and the neglectful parents and the government conspiracies comes from Chiaka J. Kanaka, who they had added to the story team for Tamers. Mm-hmm. He worked on some other darker anime, um, Helsing and Serial Experiment, Experiments Lat- Lane, and he was heavily influenced by H.P. Lovecraft. Right. So, like, Which is definitely the- it's definitely apparent when you get into the D-Reaper and the existential crisis that all the kids face. Like, each kid runs into an existential, like, a development that I struggle with as an adult, let alone a child of, like, eight. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like, Jer- so like, let's talk about, like, how dark the series gets. So, Jerry contemplates suicide because she knows that she's feeding the bad guy and she lost her best friend in Leomon. So, there's that there. Itmon struggles with well, being the murder. antagonist. 
murdered by Impmon. Murdered like, by Impmon. Impmon struggles with being a puppet uh, and a pawn of just wanting to get stronger. So he's listening to the wrong people and making mistakes in his past and trying to, like, you know, serve recompense. Like, there's there's a lot there to deal with. Henry um, struggling with pacifism versus having to stand up and be brave to do the right thing. And pacifism is causing more harm than good at certain parts of the story. And having to struggle with that. Takato having to grow up and real like almost like like the most kitty of all the storylines. But, like... Gilmon is his friend and he needs to stop treating him like a pet. Uh th- that like there even that that though is still even heavy for an 8-year-old and then Rika having absentee parents and having to realize like okay she fended for herself and that's not something that's not her fault. Like there there's so many like serious heady things for kids to pick up on in this show. It's dark even when you look at like the government conspiracy guy played by Steve Blum who we'll get into how big his role was in the show, but his character I forget his name, but like going, "Hey, maybe maybe cops are bad. Like maybe I'm do- maybe I'm the bad guy here. Am I the baddie? Like I think I am." <laughs> and having that whole switch like it was still it's still so heady, man. I don't know how else to say them? Like that was really heavy for a kid to understand, let alone comprehend. I think that I think that also, like in the context of of the like the government agency and stuff, just for me lent more credence to the idea that all of the universes could be connected. Yeah. Because why would they have this agency if they didn't know, like what could have potentially happened? You know what I'm saying? Like what could have potentially happened? Like with the with the quote unquote super tech that they appeared. To have. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like clacking on the keyboard, right? But like when you're a child, you know they had those goggle things on. Like, I I love the like the the heavy version, uh, like that like it's obviously alluding things like Evangelion and Ghost in the Shell. Like it's like okay, so sure they're just clacking on a keyboard, but they have that giant screen that takes up the whole room, like it's Cerebro, and they're like m- like their chair isn't just a chair at a computer desk; it's like on a crane that needs yeah, to move around. Like this is so unnecessary, bro. When he does when he does the lighter flick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like I'm looking at this whole thing, I'm like, this is I so I worked for some larger companies in my twenties and there was like some obvious times where I'm like, you spent way too much money in this room. Like this could have been two guys at a desk. And instead it was twenty of us and there was screens as big as the room in there. Like this is a like easily million dollar room. It could have been two hundred bucks. Like I I'm gonna tell you right now, I don't need any of those big screens. In fact, they're kind of distracting. I used to put the weather channel up on one. Like, this is unnecessary. <laughs> and you could see that. Like someone had a huge budget for this and they like they got all the stuff they needed after like half of it. And they're like, What do we do? I don't know, big screen? Uh big crane chair? Let's go crane chair? That'd be cool. What if That's we had matching thing. uniforms? It just looked so high tech. You're like, yes. And so I was like, oh, they must know. know." (laughs) It definitely sold the idea, right? They're like, oh, there's money behind this. Well, then I kept waiting. I was like, because, you know, their teacher was voiced by by the person who voiced Kari in the original series. And I was like, so when she come when she coming out, like when she appearing, bam. Was there anything more jarring as a 90s kid when you'd watch a show and you'd hear the same voice come out of a different character? Uh, no. Or a different voice out of the same character? That was even no, worse. Okay. When they changed yeah. Izzy's voice, or not Izzy, Icky's voice in Metabot Season 2, it broke me. I was like, I can't watch this. This is a different person. Oh. Kari's voice coming out of the teacher, like, again, watching it as an adult, I'm like, that's so cool. They brought her back for a thing. Right. But as a kid, I was like, what right. the fuck is this? Is that Kari? It's no, it's not. Then what are you doing? 
as a kid, I was just like, okay, so I'm just waiting, like, for you to have your moment. Yeah, like, where's your It's Morphin Time moment? Where's Gatomon? When is this going to happen? Right, like, like, when do you come and tell the kids that you know what the fuck is going on? Like, when do you... you know, <laughs> like, I just was waiting, and then it never happened, and I was like, well, what the fuck? And then they try to give us a similar storyline and try of what we wanted. I'm like, it's too late, man. Too little, too late. Okay? This also, is, this is 30 adult. years coming. I'm an adult now, so... <laughs> exactly. I don't care. Um, they did have a lot of It's Morphin Time moments I liked in this show, where, like, they're like, you know what, it's time to Digivolve, and the music kicks up, and they swipe their card, like, and it's like, okay, the music swells, okay, this is hype, this is cool, they knew what they were doing, I always compare it to, like, kids on bike stories, like, there's a Stephen King element here, uh, or Goonies, if you want to go more lighthearted with it, that I really appreciate rewatching it. We're like, okay, they don't know what's going on. They are in over their heads, but they know that they're important to the story. So when like Takato sets out and the parents have to let him go, and like all the kids go out and they're on their bikes and they got their Digivices and their Digimon, and the parents just have to stand back and watch, I love that element of it so much. Hi, my name is Terry Smith. You might know me as one of the hosts of Right in the Fields, or perhaps if you've heard some of the crossover content with the Slovenly Trolls. But I also write comic books for Can'tBeKilledCreations.com, and we have our first full-size comic book coming out called Growing Up. Getting older is exciting, moving on to bigger and better things, but what happens to the childish things left behind? Moving on is hard, but that's growing up. From neon-colored folders to action figures to trading cards, Growing Up shows the final moments of the doomed worlds our toys and childhood machinations inhabit before they are thrown away as we grow up. Available on Amazon and Comixology. Hi, I'm Charday. And I'm Lissa. And together we're... The, the Slovenly Trolls. We're not your average D&D podcast. We do monthly deep dives on topics like D&D art, the early years of TSR hobbies, and rhetoric, all with cited sources. Think of it like a feminist critique of D&D. Or don't. We're not your moms. Or are we? Check us out wherever you listen to podcasts and follow us on social media at Slovenly Trolls. Tune in on the first of every month for new episodes. See you there. And don't forget the number one rule of D&D. Don't be a dick. We're talking about the kids on bikes element, the Stephen King of it all. Yes, um, I agree. I think like it, it reminds me more so like rather than the Goonies, I see more of the Outsiders or Stand by Me though. Yeah, that, exactly. That's why I said the Stephen King, like the Outsiders, the It. I said Goonies because that's like the lighthearted elements of it, you know, like kids on their adventure. But definitely It, where it's like we can't tell the parents about it because they won't believe us. Right. Exactly. And then there's also like, the element of even if they did believe, like we don't want them to stop us because there's also this is fun. Like yeah, I'm like there. I love that part in those movies because. Any of those movies can stop, like, at the first act if they just told an adult, right? But it, right. the kids don't want to stop. Like, sure, you're in danger. Sure, you're scared. But this is also fucking cool. This is the coolest thing that's ever happened to me. I want to keep going. Well, because, like you said, you know, reality, quote-unquote, like, because this is supposed to be, like, as as seen as, like, the, the viewer's world, mm -hmm. too, right? Like, who wouldn't want to do that? Exactly. <laughs> like, and that's, again, is that wish fulfillment. I really, really like that they built that into the narrative of, when, like, when Takato is hiding Gilmon in the cemetery. Like, just in that hole. It's like, no, no, no. Like, just, like, stay here because this is fucking dope. I don't want anyone to ruin it. When he hides him in the box and tries to... <laughs> <laughs> 
I, he got a dog and the parents were like we can't have dogs but it's so cute he loves the dog like that that was so real and so like how many times did you bring home something and your parents were like you can't have it they're like but he loves it so much like that was so i so relatable and so cool where it's like his dog was also a dragon like who didn't want that right um uh, so we haven't really we've touched on a lot of the serious themes do we want to touch more on um jerry or and or Rio's arc. Yes. So let, let's talk a little bit about that. So not just like the headiness of it and like how heavy it was for a kid. Um, just how novel it was compared to the other series. So we talked about like adding different characters from it. But when you get into Rio, who was uh, a carryover of the adventure series, which no one really yeah. knew about. He's in two scenes in Digimon Adventure Season 2 oh. with like Davis Ken. and those guys and it, because he knew Ken. But how he knows Ken is really weird. Do you want? Like, are you? I'm sorry. I keep interrupting you. No, I just was gonna say he meets Ken before Ken becomes a Digimon Emperor. He like the first time that he goes. So yeah, if you if you know Digimon Adventure at all, in the second series, Ken is the big bad. He's the Digimon Emperor. But before that, he goes to the digital world. And he's got the season one Digivice, and he has a little adventure. And one of the other kids that goes, which you find out they both got chosen because they saw War Greymon, uh, Digivolve, and War Greymon and Metal Gururumon Digivolve in the movie. They when they see them, we become Omnimon, so they're kind of chosen people, just like how the first set of kids were chosen because they saw everything happen in Heightened View Terrace when Greymon fought Parrotmon. So it's this really cool parody there, but it all kind of happens in the background, especially in the dub. You don't know. They're never named. It's not a thing. Um, but Rio is a really cool standby character that you see for like a, a few moments in Adventure. But he's bec- he was in the Wonder Swan games. So before yeah, they ever came to Game Boy, before they came to Ad- Game Boy Advance, before they came to the PlayStation One game, there was the Wonder Swan games. Isn't he in more than just the Wonder Swan games? No, he Isn't no. In- what did you say? Isn't he in some of the ones that come after that also? No, no. Well, it, it was mostly the Wonder Swan. There's just a lot of Wonder Swan games that spanned okay. in between um there's like six of them and his he was the main character of those he teamed up with the adventure kids and their digimon specifically and then you find out that his his digimon before it was monodramon he was meant to be partnered to the big bad guy from season one apoclamon yeah the the upside down pyramid cthulhu monster that's supposed to (laughs) be his partner and the reason why he's the big bad is because he never got to meet rio so it's like the dark timeline version of like, this is what would happen to Agumon if Ty never showed up, basically, is Rio's character. But after he defeats it and saves the digital world and the multiverse of it all, he gets asked, do you want, for, for no reason other than they wanted him to show up in season three because he was a really popular character in Japan because they love the Wonderswan games. He gets asked, hey, do you want to return home with your parents or do you and your parents want to go to a new world? And like in full eight-year-old fashion, he's like, you know what? Let's go to a new universe for no reason. And so he gets transported to the new universe and trapped in the digital world again for no reason. Um, so he can meet Rika, and it's cool. The really cool part of it, though, is his Digimon, when uh, when Monodramon and him defeat um, Apoclamon, Monodramon absorbs the virus data of Apoclamon and is broken because of it and has this terrible rage inside and is infected with it. So now his Digimon always has that rage of, I need to absorb more data. And that's how you get this badass Cyber Digimon, everyone's dream Digimon in Digimon Season 3. What do you want to add? I'm what? sorry. I just talked for a long time. <laughs> no, you're fine. I just was going to say that I really enjoy, like, basically that he time travels and reality travels. 100%. Uh, it's so neat and so and so weird and so Marvel. <laughs> like, it's so comic well, booky of it all. 
he's so powerful, so like because like you know we know all of his back knowledge or whatever. So when Cybertron absorbs and gets the virus, like then he can't, like they can't do some of the same things that like the more quote unquote pure tamers mm-hmm. in season three can because like his data files, which is you know basically what they're made of, the Digimon are like corrupted and won't like allow it and i like to have to keep him in check all the time cyberdramon because he's so angry i think that it's like a really good duality because they've had because like to our knowledge and especially as adults not necessarily as much as kids like they've had like a fuck ton of adventures and done like all this crazy shit by themselves you know, right without like a team so just just super overpowered but then like not because you know He's just like, well, just, you know, I'm here to help. Exactly. It's it's the Wolverine of it all. It's like, he's got to be a lone wolf because he's dangerous. And there's also a few lines they also hint at, like, there's a reason why he never returned to that universe's real world. It's because he was afraid to bring Cyberdramon back. I also saw a theory that, like, some version of Ryo ends up being Jedi. Ends up being, like, the... Yeah, because, like, the similar animation. I've seen some of those. I'm like, that's an interesting theory because they look a lot alike. They do look a lot alike, yeah. And just, like, having all the knowledge and having, like, done all of the things. So it's, like... It doesn't work because they talk about how Jedi is just data and he's not human and he's not a Digimon, but I still love it all. Like, I don't care. Like, fuck it. Like, it works for me. Headcanon-wise, he becomes Jedi. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Or some progenitor of Jedi. Exactly. And I love the idea that, like, he's done so much shit. Like, his Digivice has a weapon. Like, nobody else does. His has a whip. Like, that's so cool. Like, why is he so cool? like oh my god it's so good it also um, is like the puberty awakening for rika she's like oh he's hot i i now know what hot is i thought that was kind of cool i thought i was only anger <laughs> exactly just hanger also hot okay okay i think that also we haven't really talked as we talked a little bit about rika's arc but i think that her like trying to be a hard ass and then like learning through renamon because she doesn't want to be like her mom right but then learning through renamon that she can like express her femininity and like she becomes closer with her mom and that kind of thing and like she can be a girl i think that is also like a a very touching like emotional progression moment yeah, it was and also just like a really cool message like my daughter always talking about she 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 likes likes to say she's like like rika it was one of her favorites because she's cool but also gets to be like a girl like 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 she can be a hard like i'm trying to remember it's hard because my daughter is is five and she says a lot of shit (laughs) i'm trying to remember how she said it but basically it was like she gets to be cool and still wear a dress because that's something that my daughter struggles with a little bit is like she likes to be feminine but she doesn't like that all the feminine characters in some of her shows like don't get to do the cool stuff and that's one of the reasons why she like she likes my little pony and wonder woman because like they get to be both and it's right. weird, like, seeing, like, a five-year-old struggle with that. And watching that show, like, that's Rika's struggle. It's like, she doesn't, she wants to be one of the boys because she wants to go on the adventure, but she doesn't want to be one of the boys because, like, the boys suck. And that's partly just the boys that she knows. But it's cool to see that journey that also, too, that she doesn't just become the girl of the group in, like, that, that was, tropey sense. Yeah, that's, like, I mean, because Sora and Mimi and even Kari are all, like, in the original series, are all feminine right like there isn't really not that they're not like powerful not that they're not whatever but they are more of like a traditional stereotype of a girl whereas rika because she like has this falling out with her mom who's a model and or an actress or whatever and does super feminine things and wants to dress her up as a girl she's like oh fuck you like i'm not going to yes, but then exactly. as the relationship mends she sort of like comes around to it and then her final like bio merge ends up being like about beauty basically like yeah but it's not she's not just not just like walking around with dresses and like fixing everyone's wounds like no she's still the most badass warrior on the team and the one that understands the digimon the most and that's like 
the leader. I mean, like, I know that Takato was, like, supposed to be, but, like, she's the one that makes a lot of the calls. He's, like, the heart. Yeah, exactly. He's the he's the heart of the of the team, but she's the sword. You know, like she's the right. she's the one that like understands combat the most. And that's why like I like Henry's character too, because he becomes the balance between the two. Um it's a really yeah. cool dichotomy uh of the of the group itself. And I guess with that note, so we talked a little bit about that uh, with Rio. Let's talk about Jerry too, with where she falls into the group and how right. she was the other weird kid and I always loved like her little her little romance with Takato. I thought that was so cute and so real. <laughs> so I was reading today that originally she was not gonna be like a romantic option, that she was just gonna be the the girl that like annoy was like annoying and like mm-hmm. kind of weird. But then when when they decided to kill Leomon off with Impmon and she becomes like super sad and he and Takato like they needed like more of a motivation, so they made it sort of like a love interest sort of thing, like going from friends to like something more and his like Are you about to say from friends her. to lovers? Because I'm not prepared for that album right now. <laughs> 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 but he's like concerned obviously because like she's clearly got ptsd and depression going on but he likes this and... girl and they're friends right but but he doesn't start to realize that he really likes it until she starts to draw away right and then he's like oh she's not just like annoying and like my friend but like i miss her also... right exactly so then it becomes like heightened stakes i i, I really really liked that it, it made her feel more than just it's not just her object it's like him growing a little bit as a kid like oh it's okay that i like this girl and I had these mixed feelings, and I thought I was just annoyed. It's so real to an 8-year-old, right? Or a 10-year-old, however right. they are. As a little kid, where it's like, oh, she bothers me, but I want her to bother me. Like, I don't understand what that feeling is. It was really relatable. Um, and seeing that growth. And then, like, she goes through a real-world heartache, and you don't know how to justify that. Like, you don't know how to. You can't make it better. You can't fix it. You want her to be her old self, but she can't be. And it's a really weird struggle. And the one thing you can do is, like, I guess I can try to be there for you. And that's a really interesting thing. Again, so heavy for a kid's show. Right. I mean, just hadn't seen it done in that. Like, cause I mean, a lot of times there might be something like, oh, like somebody's like parents die or something. You know what I mean? And they yeah. live with like another, like, like Batman style or whatever. They live with someone else and, and that sort of thing. But like, this is something that she can't even really describe to her parents. Right. To her dad. I don't think that we see her mom because I think her mom has passed away. Hasn't I'm she? pretty sure that's the that's the yeah. background story. Or she left of so, or something. Yeah. Um, but, but she was dad, already a little bit broken. That's partly where the puppet thing comes from. It's already a coping right. mechanism for her. Yeah. And so then it just takes on like a, a, a life of its own, so to speak. Like, And that's still, still so messed up. Like, it's still so real. Like, again, watching it for the first time with my wife. And Emily looks at me and she goes, oh my god. As the puppet like reaches for her neck. Yeah, when she tries to kill herself. Yeah, and she like she says it like goodbye or something like that. I'm like, oh my god, like fuck, this was dark. Yeah, well, and then I think that like I know so sort of going off of Jerry, we can't talk about Jerry without talking about Itmon. Right. And I feel like we were talking before the show, before we started recording, that he's your favorite. Yes. Like, arc in potentially all of arcs and so. all of our when you talk about like extra characters side characters literature Ipmon is a big touchstone for me because it's not just the oh it's the sympathetic bad guy it's like no it's the sympathetic character period in this series because it's tied to the main characters in such a way where you can't have one without the other but also you see more growth in this side annoying character from episode one than you do in anybody else in most of that series in a lot of TV shows. Because you see the, I'm misunderstood, but I just want to be involved. You see that bully character go to, I'm going to save you all at the cost of myself, and this isn't an unjustified martyrdom. It's like, no, no, I want to do it because I do 
don't want to live. I need to die in this moment because I can't live with that accident. And the last thing I can do is try to make it right. And it's well, so powerful and so earned. And just the manip- like the manipulation of him, like thinking that he needs to be strong. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like dark forces sort of influencing him. And I, I mean, when I watched the show and he had killed Leoman, I was like, there's no way. There's no redemption for this character. I was like, and I still, even when he was like, I'm going to do anything to get Jerry out of here if it's the last thing I do, I still was like, I, I, I don't care about you. Like, I hope you do. Like, you deserve this. And then when it happens. Right. And then, well, and then he like, he makes it, you know, he makes things right with his original tamers who are like a set of twins. I'm going to cry. Start thinking about it. So a little bit of backstory. If you don't know the story of Ipmon also just to say it so I can get my catharsis out is you find out that one of the reasons why Ipmon is so mean to Gilmon is because he's still close with his partner and Ipmon had partners. He had two, he had two little kids who were not prepared to share him as a, as a Digimon, like as like a pet and they fought over him. So he ran away because he was being treated poorly and then he starts to miss them and want to go back, but it's too late. He already ran away. So he has this resentment towards them. And when he goes back and like the kids are like, we can't fix it. We were mean to you. We're sorry. But here, maybe we can help and make it right. And the little kid gives him the toy gun. It's like, maybe this will help. And he like he starts to cry. And it helps him digivolve yeah. again without the dark powers. But like his yeah. own partnership. And the toy gun turns into the one of the coolest guns ever. Like, ah, it's such a cool moment because it's the catharsis for the character and for the viewer scene. And also it's that connection. It's like, oh, he he had what everybody else has. It's just a little bit different. It's a little bit sadder. But he's not as random as you thought. Right. It's not like he's just here without any sort of tether. He was mm-hmm. here. But I, just, I mean, I also think that, like, <coughs> just, like, the selfishness of, like, I mean, and I guess he wouldn't understand, but just, like, clearly, you know, because when he comes back and he sees them and they're like, oh, my God, we're so sorry. Like, please don't go away again. Like, we didn't mean for that to happen. Like, his overreaction to how they were acting, which, I mean, was not, they weren't acting great, but they weren't, like, abusing him. You know what I'm saying? No, he just didn't know how to handle it because he never had the love and, like, being fought over kind of thing. It was so overwhelming that then he overcorrects and, like, now I need to be alone forever, which then fuels his, I need to get stronger because being alone is dangerous. And anything I can do to get more powerful, and that leads him down that like that dark side, basically, of teaming with the Devas, and then seeing that he's just being manipulated there, and then making really bad decisions that then hurt people that he did actually care about. He didn't realize he did, but those were his friends. Like that episode where he's being annoying and mean, but they're all playing in the river together. Like really shows mm-hmm. like he just wants to be part of it again. He just wants to be accepted and part of the group. Yeah. And that's just so relatable. Like, everyone knows those bullies where it's like they're bullies because they just want to be a part and they just don't know how to. And it it is really interesting. And then seeing his redemption and allowing for the redemption arc, too, because not everybody gets a story. Like, uh, you could argue that Henry doesn't have a really good resolution to his story because of Ipmon. Uh, And Takato is a little bit underdeveloped because Ipmon gets so much screen time. But it's okay because Ipmon's story was that good. Right, and I mean, I don't feel like lacking in the other stories. Like, I feel like they were told. Could they? No, they were told. Yeah, they were still told. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but could they? Well, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. What were you saying? No, it's okay. Just could they have been more fleshed out or like more developed to like feel more earned rather than just sort of us being told what happened? One hundred percent. But I think that like it it still flows really well because your attention is on so many of the characters rather than just like a who's you know transforming this week who's 
yeah the, who, who gets digivolved this week like in the original series right and i think that's so cool and because of that like let's bring it all full circle one of the reasons why this show still works so much better just as an anime period like just as a show not a digimon show is that they digivolve at really cool emotional and narrative moments instead of just this is the height of this episode it's more like this is the height of this arc of when these transformations are earned and i think that shows really well we mentioned in itmon but i think in Susie's arc with her finally getting a digimon at the end and lotmon accepting that they need to be more than just the deva and maybe i'm on the wrong side it's so quick but it's still earned and so when she digivolves and goes you know what i need to save this little girl and become her partner it, it it's a testament of that show because it's got the least amount of screen time as everybody even kazu and kenta get more time with their random digimon than than right. suzy does but it's such a cool moment when lotmon goes you know what i get to be ultimate level again let's do this fight right exactly i love lotmon also, I, I do so. too and I, I i love her like it, it, they've brought her back now in several different series of digimon of like okay she's the clairvoyant she's the oracle of it all i yeah. think that's a really yep. cool role to fill um real quick on kazu and kenta they still have really cool arcs because like you said growing up they're digimon choosing them and they're just they seem random digimon if you look as a kid i was like that's weird a Gardramon, which is like an yeah, ultimate level marine digimon and marine Angemon, who's a mega level like and not realizing that they were op as a kid because i i knew that marine Angemon was a mega level but as a little boy i was like why is this cute little thing a mega level like you look at mega level war Greymon. this is not war Greymon. and then looking at how powerful she is and how she chooses them it's such a cool story moment because you see kazu and kenta who are these like stereotypical little boys and they accept them and like no marine Angemon is fucking cool and it's cool that she chose me and now it's one of my favorite digimon because of that moment yeah i liked when they brought her back in the new digimon adventure um, yes back. i really enjoyed that Gargamon too had, had that whole art yeah. um i thought was really really neat because Gargamon is a really cool digimon uh, but that whole thing, I, I just love it so much. Now that we've talked about like the character moments of it, let's get a little bit in the production side. So we mentioned that, of course, like this is a dub. This was originally a Japanese show. But unlike the first two, which were kind of by the seat of their pants, this one was thought through. When they brought in that new talent that you mentioned before, they wrote almost this entire series before shooting it, which was kind of new. Because Digimon, again, kind of flying by the seat of their pants, especially when you look at season two and the writer strike that was involved in there lost some of right. its momentum and its ideas. Whereas in with season three, this was fully fleshed out and ready to go so it aired concurrently with the u.s side of it um which brought in a new set of problems and really original ones where steve bloom one of the the voice actors so steve bloom's voiced everybody from like spike spiegel to gilman in this but also the the like the uh government guy in this show i can't think of the character's name um but he also helped adapt it and not just like the dub wise he localized it so the jokes weren't just random jokes thrown in it made more sense of the story and he had such a heavy hand in it and that's why i think it hits on a different level because you had this voice actor who had such a commitment to the series that he's like i'm gonna make this work because this is a really cool story and it was all done flying by the seat of its pants but the story was already created and i think that that made such a better product it's Mitsumaki, maybe? Riley is one of the girls. Yes, yep, Riley's one of the girls in the um, in the crane chairs. <laughs> Which yeah, they kinda had a love cool. arc too. Like there's like there's some like lines in there that those two are lovers. We're like, okay, why? <laughs> right. <laughs> that was so weird, Mitsumaki. but 
but I just, I couldn't get into this too much without, like, saying, like, this was cool because the story was well thought out and it was going to be heavy and dark and they allowed them to do it, which was neat. Um, which you don't, like, season four also and season five also have dark elements. They don't go as dark as season three. Um, but they allowed them to do that, which was neat. Um, it airing concurrently with, like, episode by episode, they'd get it and then Steve Bloom having such a heavy hand and it allowed them to not fall behind and have to do any filler arcs or anything like that. It allowed them to keep the schedule up and keep coming out on pace. So it was airing in Japan and only like weeks later airing in America, which is something they do now, but it takes a lot of work and effort. And it really showed that that's like the Saban's commitment at the time to let's keep this up. Digimon is something that's important to our brand, which is really cool for Fox kids. Um, and again, like I said, uh, a lot of people don't like the dubs of Digimon. I think they're so special and I love them so much that even though it feels like a different show, it, it I would prefer it over the actual subs every time because I, think, I love the random quips. I love how weird it is. I think it feels less, less like a different show for season three than it does for the first two. Definitely. Um, I think, definitely. I think that season three is the most like in line where they capture the tone and the mood um, and like. Uh, it's it's a little less jokey but yeah season one and two definitely like is is like all the main stuff still happens but like there's so much other stuff that you miss because of the jokes <laughs> definitely but i i think just overall it, it just culminates in such a cool product um it did however suffer towards the end not like the show is still great but because saban was in the process of being sold to disney at the time disney was like we want power rangers and they're like we have digimon too and disney was like fuck it we'll buy digimon um however that led to some really weird stuff and digimon was also kind of waning a little bit in japan as well um so between those two we get into the pokemonization of it all or poke not sorry not pokemon the power power rangerization of it uh i talked about in the last episode with power rangers how once disney got involved and um the the cooperation of super sentai got a little bit weirder they instead decided of instead of making their own product that was so specific to the u.s um was like hey let's try to adapt it a little bit more directly from super sentai and turn our series fully anthology based it's no longer serialized from season to season and digimon went the same route with the success of season three they said hey let's just adapt it separately um let's keep it going this way and japan basically agreed uh like so the animation studio went and like every series is going to be its own thing and that's how we get season four and season four even more power ranger connection saw the kids transform into digimon rather than that so, and that was a big disparity between season three and season four i mean yeah i really liked so it feels earned in season three right when they bio merge and they become like one and you realize like because the stakes are so high right? yeah like, and, and it didn't feel like a gimmick as much as oh this is the culmination of the storyline Right, they're finally, like, on the same page enough, they're melded enough, their friendship is strong enough, like, whatever happens to the Digimon happens to them. Like, I thought that that was a really, like, sweet way, sweet in both, like, awe-sensitive, but also sweet as in, like, sick way for, <laughs> for you to, like, just witness basically all of the work that they had put in over the, over the seasons, like, over the span, over the arcs of season three. And then when you go to season four, it's like they're just... A Digimon now? Like, it just doesn't feel... Like, are all the Digimon that they're fighting, are they also just people that have transformed? Like, the the logic of it, like, I feel like whatever kind of mythos that the world had, it had sort of been 
doing it in a way that made sense, right? Even when they biomerge, it makes sense because, like, they've earned it, and it's, like, you have all this other lore, but then you go to season four, and you're just like, what the fuck is happening now? <laughs> like, where did this come from? So the reason why I wanted to bring it up, because we'll do an own episode on the later series, too. We wanted season three to be its own episode because... It is such a big idea and so important to us. Um, I think it marks like the shift too. Like exactly, between. season three was definitely the peak of it. So part of the the purchasing of it by Disney led to different distribution rights. So that meant like different channels, which means Digimon was no longer on Fox Kids at the time, uh, which was a big deal. I think some of it did air, but I don't think the full thing did. And what that meant was, like, a lot of Disney Channel stuff. And while a lot of kids had Disney Disney Channel, not everybody did. Fox Kids, the difference with Fox Kids is Fox Kids was syndicated to local networks, right? So even if you were super-duper poor, you could pick up the local Fox station. There's no local Disney station. That's a cable channel, which meant right. less views. And it was already waning in popularity, and it was really, really different with Season 4. So that combination led to the decline of Digimon, sadly. Similar problem with Power Rangers, actually. So you had you had those double issues, and like it that meant it randomly would air on like CBS and shit because of weird syndication rights by Buena Vista. Um, Buena Vista is like a a higher up company in Disney. If you don't know, they did a lot of distribution yeah. stuff. Uh, one weird anecdote for me is I was one of those poor kids. If it wasn't on Fox, I couldn't see it because I couldn't get the local st- channels. So if it was on Disney, I was fucked. However. I had a very strange and ancient satellite dish thing that moved. If you don't know, it was a really weird mainstay of the 90s where you would target different satellites, as they were called, and they would get different stations. But we didn't pay for it anymore because it was expensive, so I couldn't get it. But there was a test channel for Buena Vista to test their equipment. So they would air out random things that Buena Vista owned, like uh, that 70s show or My Wife and Kids. And one of the things they owned was Digimon. So I got to see random episodes of Digimon Season 4 out of context, not in a row, on Buena Vista's test channel that was airing on some random satellite. So I still got to see it. So that was like, that's why Season 4 is kind of cool to me. That and also being a Power Ranger kid, seeing them have their little henchin and transform into Digimon was neat for me. It's still not as good, and it definitely represented the decline of Digimon. It is cool. Like, and I think that a lot of, like, I think that Koji's, like, brother and, like, all that kind of stuff, like, coming out and it being, like, it's also got a dark tone to Mm -hmm. it, right? So I think that that is cool, but I just was like, but, but, but why? why? Like, where is this coming from? Like, this has never been a thing. Like, even if you say, like, oh, the Digidestin, there's five of them, and then there's, you find out that there's six of them, it's like, okay. But, like, and even if it, like, represents the same crests and everything. Again, that's, that's the very Power Rangers wow. aspect of it, right? Right, exactly. The secret exactly. sixth ranger. But we'll get into that in its own thing, but I just, I did want to bring up the decline of it and how season three really was the peak of Digimon of it all. Um, so with that, let's wrap it up here. Let's play some Kevin oh, Bacon. Oh, do you have something else? Wrap it up, before we wrap it up, I want to talk about Ghost Game, which is the newest, like the ninth season or whatever of Digimon. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so it is currently airing, I think on Wednesdays, but maybe not. Um, anyway, it's, it's the vibe so far is very much more tamer. So there's only the three kids. Um, it's a little darker. The, the stakes are set in like the real world. Um, so, like, a lot of parallels there. Um, actual, like, other humans are involved, like, like being taken by the Digimon or being, like, fucked with by the Digimon, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Very yokai um, of it, right? Yeah, kind of, yeah. And we've seen, like, some classics come back, like, Mummymon is in one of the episodes, and it's cool to see him um, return in, like, a not-season-two Aro Kenimon's henchman. Yeah, really scary, too, which I thought was really cool. 
Yeah, so yeah, it's definitely like I mean, it's 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 definitely got like ghosty vibes on it. And um but I think that the characters are really well fleshed out so far, like in the fact that they all have like distinct personalities. Um like Hero is the is like the main, he's like, you know, the quote unquote red character. <laughs> orange, orange like, and Digimon. Orange and Digimon, you know what I'm saying though, like he's he isn't like the other work uh the other like progenitors like the goggle wears where he's not smart he's just like the brave one that, like he's actually fairly intelligent and like mm-hmm. caring and goes about things so it's it's been interesting to watch so far um i think that like the the opening opening scenes has like lady devimon in them and some other like throwbacks that look like they're going to be part of like the big bad which we haven't really cycled to yet in the show how many episodes um, are there so far six Okay, so it's still pretty right early on. I was just yeah. excited because Digimon Adventure lost me. Um, the, the Digimon Adventure reboot uh, lost me because it was the classic anime reboot of a classic series, which was, hey, let's just toss out more new cool fight scenes. Forget the plot. Fuck, fuck the plot. There's no plot. It's cool fight scenes. You know the plot. You saw the original series. So there's not a lot of I character like, I... development. It's just like, hey, cool fight scene to cool fight scene. I still liked it. No, no, no. It's still awesome. It just doesn't have the same heart as the original series, which stinks a little bit. It's cool to see better animation of Agumon digivolving and then fighting. I just wish it would have tried a little bit harder to be an all-around encompassing, like, better show. Instead, it was like, hey, let's just shonenize this a little bit. And I think that loses a little bit of what the magic was of the original Digimon series, which was the relationships. Yeah, I would agree. Plus, I mean, the focus is on Ty, like, a lot. Um, it ju- honestly, it's just Ty and Matt right again, but even more Ty. But th- the problem is it tries, I think, a little bit at first to introduce everybody a little bit better, and it does a good job, and then they're like, ah, fuck it. Like, we need more Ty. There are some interesting things in it that I really like. I like the story that, like, more of the fleshed-out, like, um, world. Yeah, they do a better job with the Digimon world and its, like, ancientness and its dichotomies, which they definitely steal from other series, right? But yeah. in a good way. But the coolest thing about it, I think, is that it gave us Ghost Game. Like, that's yeah. the thing. Like, uh, like being able to continue on with a new series and kind of changing up the lore and feeling brave enough because, okay, people are liking Digimon again. We're back in the, the zeitgeist and the nuance of it all isn't as, oh, this is nostalgia. It's like, no, people like it now. We have new audiences. I think this is time. Let's give them something new. And that's where we get Ghost Game. And that's why I'm excited is, okay, you don't have to have this baggage. You don't have to like the original series, which I would argue you kind of do to like Digimon Adventure, at least on a deeper level. It's cool to watch, like, the fight scenes. But if you don't like the original, it's like, why are there seven characters then? There's not a lot of reason for it. So I I really like the idea of Ghost Game. I, full disclosure, have only seen the trailer. I haven't had a chance to start watching it yet. Um, But I am super excited for it, which I think is easy to say compared to a lot of the other Digimon series. Like, I was not hyped for Digimon Fusion. Well, not many people were. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so that's really cool to see it coming back. And hopefully Ghost Game gets really, really popular and we get another 25 years of Digimon. Well, so the bracelets that they have in it, um, which are like their their Digimon their version of Digivice. Yeah, they're um, they look almost like a smartwatch. Yeah, and they are they've been like doing fairly well, I think, on sales and stuff. And they've got the different chips that you can just put into it. So it's definitely like made for a more modern audience, made for like a more streamlined look, so that you can like buy the product and have it look 
not like you're carrying around a big chunk of plastic. The I problem I had with it, because I was going to buy one for Christmas, was they're not a Tamagotchi toy. So, like, when you, if you get, it's like, I, I'm super hyped. I bought the, the Digimon Adventure one, which is it's kind of expensive. Like, I don't recommend it. It's $150. It's still not in English yet. It probably won't be, because I don't know if they're going to adapt Digimon Adventure for an English audience. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're a really big fan, it looks really neat. I love the design, the updated Digivice from Digimon Adventure. It's really cool. The problem with the, with the device for Ghost Game is they kind of piggybacked off the design on, like, a popular Fitbit in Japan. So okay. it's just that. It's just a Fitbit with a Digimon voice on it. And you're like your avatar for your running and stuff is that Digimon. It's not its own Tamagotchi-like game like the other Digimon Digivices. So oh. the product right now is a little bit half-baked. And I can see them doing a different version that's more oriented towards children. Um, and I hope they do because I'll definitely buy it even though I'm not a child. I'm just a grown-up <laughs> child. Right. Um, but it's the thing that I like out of the Digimon toys. So hopefully I'll be able to get that. Uh, but if you need a Fitbit, it's a cool version of it if you speak Japanese or read or can read Japanese. <laughs> anyway, now we can wrap it up. I just wanted to. No, no, that, great thoughts, and that's definitely like that. That was the original like idea for this podcast, anyways, right? Let's talk about the old and new kind of thing. Um, I, I and I'm super excited for Ghost Game, and I think we should do another episode on it when I uh, when I catch up, and we can maybe do one for Digimon Adventure as well. Okay. Um, so with that, let's play the Kevin Bacon game. Who do you got for me this week? Um, I don't know, because I feel like doing a voice actor is not going to be, like, a very good, good way to go about this. <laughs> um, I did just watch Dune. Ooh, Dune. What'd you think of Dune? You, are you ready really to apologize like to me about you yelling at me about Zendaya? I really, really liked it a lot. I liked it way more than I thought that I would. I liked it way more than you were selling me on it, actually. I, I liked it a lot too. I don't want to. I don't. Don't get it twisted, okay? I really, really did like it. And for my first experience on it, it made me read the book. And I've tried to read the book several times. Um, but watching the movie, I'm like, oh, I'm excited for the next one. And uh, also, my wife, who doesn't give a fuck about Dune, never cared about it, know all the baggage it had over the years of different fandoms and shit, and she really liked it too. Nice. Um, I guess that I will go. I'm gonna pick somebody from Dune. Timothy Chalamet. I would. I love Timothy Chalamet. The titular Dune, right? That's who he is. He's the Dune. Yes. Uh, I'm going to pick Dave Bautista, though. Oh, Bautista. I love Bautista. Let's see if I can go. Let's do some, like, WWE of it all. I should give you someone hard. I can make you do Steve Bloom. Uh, I just connect a bunch of, like, random animated shit, but I won't do that. That's heartless. Um, I mean, you can. It's just going to take me a long time to figure it out. <laughs> I'm going to give you Timothy Chalamet. Um, uh, I think that I have mine. Okay. So you ready? Okay. Yes. All right, we're back to it. Okay. You go ahead. You go first. Okay. So I love Timothy Chalamet. He's in, and I don't know if this is going to be the most direct route, but this is. Uh, it's it's always route. like honestly, it can makes people tell that we're not cheating when it's not the most direct route. Because <laughs> right. I think some people okay. like think they're like, oh, like they definitely used Oracle of Bacon when they connected it in two or whatever. Not just that we're insane people. Um. Correct. So. <laughs> Let me see what the score is right now. It's 10 to 8 right now. Can you tell me who has 8 points? You have 8 points. <laughs> okay. Also, if you don't know, it's golf, it's golf rules. I'm winning. Yeah, it is golf rules, yes. So, <laughs> Missy Chalamet was in Netflix's The King with Robert Pattinson. I never, I haven't watched that. Is that good? It's, really, it's good. I, I mean, it's it's a historical piece, though. So, like, some people, that's really boring to them. I got. I always get it confused with the king. Is it the king of Ireland or the Irish king or whatever with uh, Chris Pine? 
was uh, also a Netflix original. Yeah, I, that's not the name of that one, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I, I apologize. I know that's the not what Richard, it's called. But but yeah, that's I can't think of what it's called either. But yes, it's not the same. So The King, really good. Um, Robert Pattinson is in it. And Robert Pattinson, as we all know, was in Twilight. And who was in Twilight with Robert Pattinson? Kevin Michael Bacon. Sheen. He he played Michael the Sheen. he was the titular Twilight. He was. It's like the it's like the little baby. It's like the little baby from Teletubbies. It's just Kevin Bacon's face on the moon. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Anyway, Michael Sheen, okay? He plays one of the Volturi, and he was in Frost Nixon with Kevin Bacon. Frost Nixon? That's a good one. Um, I fell down this rabbit hole. I was watching all the Aaron Sorkin movies, and you run out. Aaron Sorkin hasn't done at that many movies. And I was like, well, I gotta find shit that's, like, similar to Aaron Sorkin movies. It's like, okay, now I'm watching David Fincher movies and shit. And, like, Frost Nixon comes out. And Emily comes out my way, and she's like the fuck have you been watching I, I watched that and the post and then the report all back to back and she's like what like are you about to run for office what is all this shit she's like, <laughs> like i'm out of kick leave me alone i am i did i rewatched uh the um uh the jfk movie also <laughs> like oh my god this is so good uh kevin bacon should be in everything i stand by it Honestly. He, uh, uh, fucking uh, Kevin Smith has a really good line when they're making fun of him about casting Ben Affleck in some of these movies, and he was like, "I fucking think Ben Affleck should play everybody. He's like, gonna remake Jaws. He plays Jaws. Okay, he's the fucking shark." <laughs> and that's how I feel about Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon could play this shark in Jaws. Okay. Also, yeah. people stop giving Ben Affleck shit. Like Ben Affleck's been some, in some good movies. He's a good actor. Might be a weird fucking guy in real life. I don't fucking know, but I'm I'm happy for him and J Lo. Um, how many degrees is that? Uh, so you went to, so it was it Timothy Chalamet Robert to Robert Pattinson. So that's one to Michael Sheen to Michael Sheen. That's two. And then Michael Sheen to Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon. That's three. Um, oh no, that's sorry. That's two. That's just two. So that's pretty good though. Two, two is a pretty sweet connection. Um, mine is I'll do you one better. It's one. You gave me Dave Batista. You remember Dave Batista, right? Yeah. Of WWE fame, his character in the WWE, Batista. Um, done a lot of stuff. He was in Blade Runner. That's a good one. A lot of people in Blade Runner you could connect to. Like, uh, you could go to Ryan, um, what's what's his last name? Ryan Gosling in yes. Blade Runner. Um, to uh, his co- cohort in... Um, uh, in crazy stupid love with kevin bacon so that's one right so that's already that's just one i win but uh, i'm gonna go even crazier here and get you another one because this one's more fun okay dave batista who's everyone know? everyone knows dave batista as drax the destroyer and yes. he's been in tons of movies in the marvel universe but one of my favorites he's in is infinity war with thanos josh brolin of goonies fame and josh brolin played the sexy doctor number one in hollow man with kevin bacon so a little little bonus action there both one connection one degree of separation to kevin bacon so you pick and choose which one you want you want to go with the gods or you want to go with the brolin either way I suck it should not have picked anyone that was in the marvel universe definitely should not have that was a mistake on your part I just really liked I liked Dave Bautista's character in Dune a lot, so I was like, oh, perfect. The problem is Batista's done a lot of cool shit in the last couple of yeah. years, so he's been with a lot of really cool actors. 
And Timothy yeah. Chalamet, I think, is on his way. Dune, obviously, one of the first big ones. But even you go at, like, Call Me By Your Name. I hate Army Little. Hammer, but Army Hammer's done a lot of shit. Yeah, Little Women, too, he was in. I, I always forget about Little Women. I remember, so I, I saw one of the comments from a couple of weeks ago. It was like, you you have seen Little Women. You did a critique of it, like, four episodes ago. <laughs> You're like you talked about specific plot points. There was no way you just pulled it out of your ass. I was like, you have a point. Like I just, I see a lot of shit, guys. Okay, I forget. Also, there's been like twelve adaptations of Little Women. Okay, forgive me. But the most recent one. And it, honestly, best one, best one. Um, he's also in Interstellar. I almost went that way with it. He's an Interstellar. I don't remember Interstellar that he's the well. Young, he's the young version. Oh, oh, of the brother. Well, of the the son, but you know what I mean. Tom, yeah. Uh Chastain's brother. And okay. Ladybird. Yeah, I such a small role in Ladybird, but I, I mentioned it last time. Love him in Ladybird. <laughs> like he's such a douchebag in it. So good. Honestly, my favorite Timothy Chalamet thing though is just his SNL appearance. Like when he hosted, like that was amazing. If anything, yeah. just for the Pete Davidson skit where they were really bad TikTok rappers. Yeah. I play that song once a day still. <laughs> it's just Very a bop. Good. It's just a bop. Uh, <laughs> skirt. Um, but yeah, so just mark it down as a win. You might as well just give up now, okay? What are you sitting at? Like 45 points. I have one, so. It's 9 to 12. So. Listen, the disparity gets – the rich get richer, as they say. Rich get richer. That is – I've heard that. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. You, I got the ads in the middle. Go check out some of our stuff. Go to uh, patreon.com slash creations if you want to support us over there. A buck or two. Every buck helps, though. Keeps chicken sandwiches in our pockets and the lights on. And if you don't like us, it helps support the Slovenly Trolls, our sister podcast. Go check them out over on Spotify or – Apple Podcast, Amazon Podcast, wherever you get podcasts, we're over there. Wherever you find us, though, please drop a review. Five stars or more, it'd be wonderful. Just say how much you hate us, too. Just as long as you put five stars, I'm into it. It doesn't really matter. If you want more of our other types of content, like our comic books or anything else, head on over to campykillcreations.com. We got lots of cool stuff over there. Our new comic book is up. You can check that out called Growing Up. And we have more on the way. I just signed two artists. It's going to be really cool. We've got lots of cool shit down the pipeline. Go check it out. Thank you so much, Chelsea, for not being a terrible co-host. I appreciate it. You're welcome. <laughs> I, lo- I know you're so excited to be here with me. And with that, we are out. Anoxonamon! I put a little bit of a little zhuzh on that one. A little extra salt. Anoxonamon!